Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. If you'd stand with me for the reading of God's Word, and then I won't ask you to stand again. Before I read this, can I just talk to you just, just a second? You remember how last week I told you, I said, man, I've, I've got this message the Lord gave me, and it's okay not to be quiet. I need you to help me and to encourage me. Today is not one of those days. Today is a very straightforward, uh, sobering, sombering, life in the balance type of messages. I, your pastor feels the weight of these because if, if you add any of your flesh to it, you could push somebody away and then they could blame it on the personality flaw of the preacher. But I believe specifically the Lord knew who would be here today. And I'm preaching from a text that I've never preached from and on a subject I've never preached on. And so um, let's read together. Luke two, forty-one. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. This is Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph. When Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother didn't know it. Just stare at that or mark it in your Bible. Jesus stayed behind, and they knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and then they began to seek him among their kinfolk and acquaintances. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. One word from Jesus, one sentence, one scripture, one sermon. Your pastor is so limited in his vocabulary. The only word I can think of can revolutionize, transform restructure, redesign the DNA of a person. One message that if it comes from God, even if it comes through flawed vessels, and that person receives with meekness and engrafts it to their soul, everything from that moment forward is different. One word from Jesus to a man who was decomposed in a tomb, or two words, he said, Lazarus, come forth on those two words. All of the decomposition came back together. His soul re-entered his body and he lived. On one word, Jesus, standing on the water, told Simon Peter, come. On one word, Simon was able to do what other people could not do. He was able to do today what he was not able to do yesterday. He was able to do what other people would die trying to do. One word from the Lord. And you know when it's from the Lord. You know 
There are words that encourage us. There are words that inspire us. There are words that we make practical application. But when the Lord starts talking to you, you lose sight of the preacher. You lose sight of the people on your row. Because when God talks, it is the purest frequency of a believer's life. It resonates. It's like a, a tuning fork that goes right past all of our excuses and our rationalizations and past the opinions of people and it vibrates our very soul and we knew that if no one else believed that God was talking to us, he was talking to us. July 6, 1986, I stumbled into my mother's home church, Northside Assembly of God, after being out the night before till three or four in the morning, alcohol still in my system. A pastor that uh, I, as a guy, wouldn't have a lot in common with. He was kind of flamboyant, you know, had the pocket square, and it looked like a, like a flower exploded in his pocket, you know, and had the Pentecostal swirl going on his head, you know. Nice guy, later became a great, great friend of mine. I go into church, everybody back then dressed up. I go in with my concert T-shirt on dirty blue jeans and you know I kind of stood out just a little bit <laughs> you know he opens the t Bible and he reads the verse he said and there was a man sent from God whose name was John I'm thinking who told him I was coming my mom didn't even know I was coming no I didn't think that at all I thought that I was brought into the presence of the king and he was going to talk to me. I was so nervous. I was so scared. I, I shook. I was talking to myself. And you know, there I am dressed, dressed like death on a soda cracker on the third, second row. People are thinking, Sandra's boys, you know, got multiple personality <laughs> talking to himself. But I was nervous because, listen... The preacher can talk to me and not make me nervous. But if God talks to me, he knows my secrets. He knows my origins. He knows my downsittings and my uprisings. He knows my thoughts are far off before I think them. And he came. He wooed me into a service to speak to me. And even though I did not remember how I received all of it, I sought him. I just sought him and I was at an altar about 30 minutes. And when I got up, I was different. That word, he spoke to me and over me, transformed me. And y'all forgive me today. It's going to be kind of sloppy. I've got a head cold and I'm crying too, so you know. Gonna be kind of nasty. And I believe I have that word for someone today. So that was a lot of introduction, but I wanted you to catch the gravity of it because this is not a sermon, it's a message for somebody today. First of all, I want you to look at the separation. It said that Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem as they left to go home, the path they're supposed to go, Jesus tarried behind. There are mysterious yet common occurrences where Jesus stays back or walks on ahead of us, it would seem. Like Jacob wrestling with the stranger who commanded to be let go so he could leave. 
Like Abraham, when sitting before his tent, he beheld three celestial beings passing by, one of whom was the Lord. And like the Syrophoenician woman rejected by Jesus in a request to come heal her daughter, there are times when it's like Jesus would just stay back and let us walk away, or while we stood still, he would walk away. There are times where Jesus allows a distance, whether you initiate it or he does. Have you not had those times where Christ seemed to have slipped away or tarried behind as you've walked on ahead without Him? He does this to test your awareness, to see if you'll notice. He does this to see your reaction. He does this to reveal your priorities. He does this to display your love and need for Him or to expose you to your forgetfulness of Him. He does this to sharpen your sensitivity every time you notice that the Lord's not as close as He used to and you call out to Him, what's wrong, Lord? What's between us? He does this to purify all dross from your union with Him. So the Lord stayed back and when they noticed He was gone, and I'll get to this in a moment, but they sought Him. It was in their life purifying, getting rid of all the externals. This doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. I just need to be with you. I just need to be with you. I just need to be with you. It's the theme of the Christian. And Jesus said, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you can be also. I need to be with you. And it's a, it's a reciprocal. I just want to be with you. And sometimes the Lord will just stop to see if we'll notice. And we go on about our life and it's days Weeks, years, decades before we notice or do something about it. That's the separation. This won't be a long message. There's, only, there's four points here, and I want to talk to you about the surprise now. The child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew it not. It doesn't surprise me that Jesus would tarry. It doesn't surprise me that they would walk on. What surprises me about you and I and Mary and Joseph is that they didn't know Jesus wasn't there. They still had their history with Jesus. See, that's how we trick ourselves. Mary says, as the woman, I brought him into the world. I've got history with him. And we pride ourselves on a history in his absence. How did they lose him? They lost him by walking away from him. This was not a case of sin, but the results are the same. Look at the type. They just walked away. Now you could walk away for relationship. You could walk away for approval. You could walk away for opportunity or success or money. But the results are the same. They lost him because they walked away. They lost him in the hustle and bustle of life, responsibilities and family. Oh, it's e- we, we, we see the person that walks away from the Lord for sins, and we pride ourselves that we don't do that, but you can lose him just doing the things you need to do as well. Excuse me.
their departure was not planned. Very few Christians plan on leaving the Lord. They didn't plan on leaving Jesus in Jerusalem. Their departure was gradual. It wasn't just, you know, instantaneous. It was a process. Their departure was real. And in very few days, it would be unmistakable and very evident to everyone. Now listen. In love and humility, as one that has walked away and didn't know he was gone. Other people know it before you know it. The people in Jerusalem that were sitting in the temple talking with him knew his parents weren't there. And we get so violently mad and aggressive and defensive at anyone that would state to us what we don't know. It was evident that they left Jesus. But they didn't know. The Bible says that it is safer to take a cub from a mama bear than it is to show a fool their folly. Their departure was soon very evident and it increased in distance. The longer it took for them to notice, the further they were away. And here's the other thing that I've learned. Their relationship with Jesus did not prevent his tarrying or their carelessness. Sometimes, and maybe I did this before too, sometimes you, you might think because I'm a pastor and you get paid to do this that these things don't happen to you. Oh, I can be just as careless as you. They lost him in the temple. Do you understand that? Judas took the 30 pieces of silver back into the temple and said, I've betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what's that to us? His blood be on you. And he cast his lot to die in the church. In the church he cast his lot to die. Carelessness is carelessness. There are some here today who've lost their closeness with the Lord for various reasons. Because of something that happened to you, and you would say something that God didn't prevent. When my dad died when I was 11 years old, very quickly, when I, I was 9 when I was baptized, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 6.23, and Romans 10.9. My daddy taught me those, and I would lead other people to Jesus. I loved the Lord. I witnessed in my school. I prayed in my school. I had quiet time in my home as a little boy. As much because I wanted to be like him, I didn't understand all the spiritual truths. Granted, I'm just a kid. But when my daddy got sick, I told everyone that God was going to heal my father because God forgives all our iniquities and heals all our diseases. He is the Lord that heals us. I was fasting uh, as a little boy, praying for God to heal him. And when my daddy died... Something in me died. And I said to myself, if that's who you are, I want none of you. And I walked away. I didn't stomp away. I didn't throw a fit. I walked away. And 13 years passed before I called upon the name of the Lord. 
Well, John, why do you tell us that you were saved in 86? Because without telling the entire story, that was when I, as an adult, bowed my knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, I give you my life. I give you my life. But something God didn't prevent from happening. He could have, he could have healed my dad. He could have kept that person from touching you. He could have kept your dad from leaving your mother or your mother leaving your dad or your spouse. He could have intervened and violated their free will, but he didn't. And so we walk away. We walk away because our people lose their closeness with the Lord because of something that didn't happen for them. Something that was withheld. A spouse, a child, health. Uh, friends, peace. And we feel that why would God grant it to everybody else? And I don't mean this funny, but when you're longing for a child, is there ever a time in your life where you get more invitations to baby showers than when you're longing for a child? And we see that something that's withheld and there's a separation from us and the Lord. Because someone you looked up to or loved has failed you, neglected you, abused you or abandoned you. I do not say this to shame the man, but my brother and a close friend of mine were at Jimmy Swaggart Bible College when the deal went down. And as shame covered that campus and shame covered the students, 20 years was lost. Sometimes it's not what you do, it's what others do to you that causes separation. But what I'm trying to get to, and I want to make sure that I weave this together, as horrible as that is, that's not important. The important part is the results are the same. Whether you walk away in absolute rebellion, if you walk away in carelessness, if you walk away because of something God did or didn't do or what someone else did, departure is departure and distance is distance. Some walk away because of the consuming guilt of personal sins and failures. You cheated on your spouse. You destroyed that life in your womb. You were the abuser or the neglecter. You were the one. And our guilt can become so overwhelming that to walk close to God, see, you judge us too quickly. But those of us that understand what true guilt is and true shame is, that light is bright in His presence. And you, you can come near church, no problem, unless the light's there. And you can come near preachers, no problem. But to walk in front of the Son who is pure and spotless and in heaven there will be no sun because the Lamb will be the light thereof. And when you walk close to Him, you see everything and we feel too guilty to come around. And you may think it's a false humility, but we see our grossness maybe clearer than you see your self-righteousness. It's no excuse, but that's why we walk away. We walk away because of great pain, great sorrow, great emptiness, great disappointments. And some walk away because of what it takes and what it costs to walk closely with the Lord. Number three, when they did remember, they searched for him. Look at verse 45. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. 
seeking Him. I wrote in my notes, there is no better way to find the Lord than to seek the Lord, but I, I want to change that. Just reading it then. There is no other way to find the Lord than to seek the Lord. You have to go back the way you came. You have to go to where He is. And these types, see, you don't build doctrines, but they're types, they're unmistakable. Types in the Bible that fit our everyday life experiences. There are times when the Lord pulls back and we walk away, and there's times where He walks away and we pull back. But you have to go looking. Now, there is a part where the Lord goes looking for us, like the, the shepherd going to look for the sheep and the woman looking for the lost coin. Yes, but this, this wasn't the person that didn't know they were lost. This is the people that kept going and then they realized, listen, something changed. You still go to church every now and then. You still sing a song and you... You more clearly, no, no, you choose to live in the memory of how it once was instead of living in the awareness of how it is today. And you are tricked. Because if you're thinking about his closeness yesterday, that is evidence that you are not close today. And that's what happens to us. It's happened to me. I trust you never know what it feels like to stand up and open a Bible and get ready to preach and realize thou art the man. You're the man. You're the one the Scripture's talking about. I've sensed it many times. And under my breath before I preach to you, I'll turn my mic off, make sure it's off. And I said, if you'll grace me to do this, I'll square up with you when I get home. I had to do it. This was an exclusive seeking. Not someone who looked like him. Not someone who others said were him. Not someone, listen, listen, listen. Not someone who represented him like a pastor or an evangelist or a priest or a cardinal or a bishop or a nun. No one else will do. I need to find the one that I separated from. Exclusively. Jesus exclusively. Now, coming to church is wonderful if you're looking for Him. Church can be a wonderful place. But I don't come looking. No disrespect, Ben. I don't come looking for a song. I don't come looking for a style. I'm amazed at the people who decide on where they worship by how close they are to the building or if it's their style. I come to see the King. I come to see the Christ. I want to hear about the Christ. I want to be able to sing to the Christ. I want to see him in the house. Exclusive seeking. So when they turned back, they weren't asking about cousins or grandparents. Have you seen him? Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Jesus the Christ. Not this new Jesus that's being preached. This new one that's just... A very vague, I mean the one that was born of a virgin. The one who, was, who bled on Calvary naked and died for my sins, for my justification. The one who delivered me from alcohol. The one who walked me through my perversion and my sin-saturated 
sex-perverted, soaked mind and walked me out of that and had me clothed and sitting in my right mind, the one that walked me through divorce, the one that provided for me and restored my soul, I'm looking for that one, the one that knows me and I know him, that one. Not a song about him, not a sermon about him, not somebody that looks like him. The last thing you need today is me. That's like dating somebody proxy, exclusively looking for Jesus. It was a personal seeking. No one finds Christ by proxy. You have to find him again for yourself. And this one is specific. I felt the Lord telling me, really, really emphasize this. So I'm telling you what I'm about to do. It was a desperate seeking. You cannot be composed when someone you love is lost. As a matter of fact, the desperation is in direct correlation to how much you love them. It's only happened in small ways. But Kelly and I will be with our girls and we're always, you know, we were man-to-man coverage and now we got to play zone because we got three. And the few times Kelly's glanced and one wasn't right there. It never was allowed to go forward. But we didn't have stages. It was, Olivia! Olivia! And they oh, okay, okay, okay. See, you're not concerned with what anybody else in the room thinks, feels, says, what your sales quota is. I'm in Dillard's. I don't care who's in the store, what you're buying, what transactions are going on. The one whom my soul loves is God. And that desperate seeking is what is missing in our churches because we are so proud and arrogant that we are like the person in Dillard's that says, Olivia, Olivia, which shows me that Olivia doesn't mean to you what you think she means to you. There are people in this room, you have lost him who your soul loves. You remember him, but you don't live with him. And I'm not judging you. I'm trying my best as one who has misplaced him before to shake you in a tender way and say, wake up. Wake up while it's day. Wake up. He's easily found. You don't see somebody drowning saying, would someone on the shore please throw me a line? There's a desperation. I have found as a minister that desperate people get everything back. All the years that the locust and the canker worm have ate, eaten out of my life. That day I got up from that altar, I was restored. It was as if that nine-year-old boy was introduced to the 24-year-old boy. And the Lord says, nothing's lost. The year's there are lost, but it's okay. I got you. Nothing eternal's lost because you're mine. But I never get those years back again. I do not have illusions of grandeur. I know I'm not articulate. Uh, I wish my head wasn't near as big. 
I wish my waist wasn't near as big. <laughs> There's a lot of things I would love to change, but all my life I've had influence. All my life. I could, you know, when we played football when I was a teenager, John, you be a captain, you be a captain. All my life I had influence. And what I could have done in high school and college is gone. Can't ever go back. But I could live forward. And some of us, when we get this close to making it right, the devil wants to talk about the years that are behind us and you can't do nothing about those. You just desperately seek him today. Almost done. It was a painful seeking. Seeing how far they'd left him. How far they'd been gone. It was a humbling seeking. Oh, they got to go back the exact same way they left him. That prodigal that left the Lord had to go back right past all the people he partied with, wasting his substance with riotous living. They said, where are you going? He said, I'm going back home. Oh, what religious people will think when this whole time you've told them that you're still the same person you've always been and you lied the whole time and you know you lied, but they were so blind they didn't know the difference. Oh, for the day when we'll tell the truth to ourselves and say, I am not the same and Christ is not near. It's an embarrassing thing. It's an embarrassing thing for me to, in the middle of worship, have to get up and come fall on my face in front of the Lord because I am not where I'm supposed to be as a Christian. And how can I lead people when I can't lead myself? Yes, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to go and humble myself in front of my wife time and time again and say, please forgive me for being self-centered. Please forgive me for being selfish. The only other option is stop repenting. It's embarrassing to walk closely with the Lord because you've got to keep making adjustments. You've got to keep going back. I didn't know nothing was wrong between you and the Lord. Ain't none of your business. I can get an amen there. It ain't none of your business. It's a progressive seeking. It took three days before they got him back. They lost him in a moment, but it took three days to get him back. It was a, a determined seeking. Everything was put on hold until Christ was found. Can you imagine in that moment where Kelly screamed out Olivia? I said, Kelly, let's go get a Starbucks. Well, she wouldn't even say that. She just, Kelly got skills, man. She'd just do a hi-ya, wah. I, you know, I wake up a couple days later, what, Kelly hit you. Let me just tell you all something. This, this is going to free up some guy in here. I could whip my wife, but I'd have to do it in the first two rounds. If I didn't knock her out by two rounds, she'd kill me. So I have to come on strong. So I, I know the deal. Can you imagine me trying to tempt her with anything in this world in the moment she realized Olivia was gone? Okay. And you've been tricked. You've been tricked because some guy will love you, some girl will love you, you got a car, you got a job, and the one whom your soul loves is gone. You didn't even know it. They didn't know it. They didn't know it. There are the arrogant people that know it. But there are those that 
You know, sometimes if you tell yourself a lie long enough, you believe it. Ben, if you would, come please. Excuse me just a moment, y'all. I'm so... Makes me appreciate Ben. Some, they have to sing with a cold. <laughs> Lord, I can't sing when I'm well, much less with a cold. <laughs> I want to talk to you just for a moment about the success. I told you about the separation, the surprise, and the search. Are you willing to desperately search for the Lord this morning in your soul? Now the success. Jesus was found by them because he was not hiding. He said, you knew where I was. Did you not know I'd be about my father's business? So that's the historical account. Did you not know? You see me growing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You see the change. Didn't you know if I got near the temple, I'd be in my father's house? Didn't you know? So for us, here's what it is. You know where he is. He's at the place he's always been. He's at the last place you left him. You may have to go back to that adulterous relationship and say, I sinned before God and in heaven and I repent. You may have to go back to where you cheated in business or broke your marriage. Whatever. whatever. It is no one else's business. But if you go back to the place where you left him, he is still there waiting to be found. He was found because he was not far away. Oh, you'd think after 10 years, 13 years... After all I'd done, you think I'd have to just comb the church. I knew where to go. The altar was a symbol. Something always dies at the altar. And I threw myself on the altar. And he was right there. Jeff, he was right there. <laughs> 13 years, and I thought he was so far away, so far away, so far away. And when my soul said, Jesus, he was right here. He was found because he wanted to be found. He was found because they didn't stop looking until they found him. Could it be that you two, just like Mary and Joseph, will find the Lord today in the temple? A place where God is worshipped. A place where His Word is taught. A place where Jesus opens the Scriptures. He was sitting with the doctors opening the Scriptures. And a place where Jesus goes home with those who come to get Him. I asked Ben to sing through this hymn. And I'm asking you now, guys, it's early. I'm asking you. It would be so disrespectful to walk out to go get a seat at a cafeteria with lives in the balance today.
I'm asking you to be as reverent as you can. If this does not apply to you and you say, God and I are good, you sit and pray for people. And others are going to come looking for Jesus. And one by one, if there's only one, we are going to see that person restored immediately. Ben, would you sing this for me? I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be close for me. No one looking around. People are still coming. No one looking around. And those that this might apply to, don't, don't be upset with me. I've been on both sides of this. If you're with someone and you know, they may not know or may not want you to. You know they're distant from the Lord. Do not embarrass them and don't say a word, but reach over and take their hand, which means I'll go with you right now. No one looking around. I'm not looking myself. If that's you, as Ben sings this chorus, their, their hand is saying, come on, I'll go with you.
those in the altar are still praying, I want you to look to me one more time. And please know when I say this, I know the Lord's listening to me. And if I'm doing this for selfish motive or for carnal reasoning, I'll not only answer for it one day, I'll be judged for it. Because you don't say, thus saith the Lord, just when you feel like. So I tremble at the idea of it. But I present this to you because it's how it happened to me. That day that I came back to the Lord, He was dealing with me so strongly. I was answering out loud on the second row. And He was asking me, do you love me? And I kept saying, no, I don't love you. And on the third time I said, I'm sorry, I don't love you. And He said, that's okay, I love you anyway. I was aware, and I believe it today with all my heart, that if I did despite to that absolute awareness that God was talking to me, that I would have died in my sins. I would have died in my sins. And I say this very humbly. There was an uncommon anointing on me today for you. You can't look past today. This is the day you respond, come back to the Lord. You're not joining this church. You don't owe me anything. But don't, don't despise it or demean it for him to speak this clearly through this vessel for you. He's after you. He wants you. One more time, we'll sing through this. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to Thy precious. family, would you stand with me this morning? I want to shift gears just for a second and just examine this passage and we're going to go home. We're still going to beat all the Baptists to eat. We're good. We're going to beat everybody. In the natural, what do you think Mary told him? Would you ever do that to us again? You about scared your mama to death. You know well, then she's, uh, you're Jesus. But you know the mama part was, just, come here, stay close to me, stay close to me. And after that, there was a, an awareness. Where, where's Jesus? Where, where's, where's Jesus, right? That, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I don't want to lose you again. <laughs> it's not a fear. God doesn't want us walking in fear, but it's a, 
I love when we're walking and my little girls hold my coattail or they hold my finger. You know what that means, Jason? They, they don't want to lose me. They, instead of me holding them, they're like, hold, they hold me, they hold me. And I say, you holding on to daddy? I think the Lord sees what we're doing. I just want to be clear. I, don't, I, don't want, I, don't, I trust you. I just don't trust me. Okay. Now, the only thing the devil can do with something like this is now beat you up with guilt. What guilt is there to the man that goes home with Jesus? <laughs> it is Christ that justifies. He goes home with me, then I'm good. I'm good. He went home with them. You can find him in a temple that proclaims his name. And if this place ceases to be that place, may God shut us down in every church like us. This is Christ's chapel. Father God, we bless your great name. How merciful and patient and gracious you are to people like us. Thank you that you're readily found. Whosoever calleth on your name, those that go looking for you, find you. What a grace. What a grace for people like us. And for that person, oh Lord, that is going home today with you in the car and you haven't been in the car a while. May they not fall into a legalism. The first time that song plays and they realize Jesus is in the car, may they just look over and go, sorry about that, Lord. Take it out. Just throw it out the window. Whatever they got to do. There's got to be some adjustments now. But Jesus is with us. Oh, the day, the joyful day that Jesus lives with us and reigns with us, rules in our life. He's our companion, our constant. He's there at the dinner table. He's in the car. He's when we're there when we're getting the kids ready for school. Oh, Lord, that we might live with you today, tomorrow, and forever. This is my prayer, Lord. From this day forward, if anybody ever asks us, where's Jesus? That we can say, he's right here. Right here with me. For your son's sake and your glory, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.